Welcome back to Young Life Politics and Hip Hop. My name is Dante Kaloya. Uh, I'm your host with the most, and this is episode nine. I'm uh, super happy to introduce you guys to my friend Nathan this week. Uh, we got to have an amazing conversation, uh, very similar to that of Thomas last week. You know, we're going to be talking about uh, his life, his ambitions, uh, fears, dreams. You know, the same things that I talk about, but just with another student. Um, and as I said, this is kind of a podcast that I want to give other people a voice on. Um, I really want to hear what the Queen student body has to say and what kind of just young people in general are thinking right now. So, um, yeah, without further ado, here's our conversation. I hope you guys really enjoy it. Hey, Nathan, thanks so much for being on my episode. Hey, Mr. Cloyd, nice to be here. It's been a while, but I'm excited to be here. It has, yeah. So uh, we've actually been trying to do an episode, I think, since I think since even third year. Um, yeah, most likely. It's just yeah. been busy and things have gotten in the way. School, life, girls. Super busy. That's just how it always goes. So um, before we kind of get into our conversation, I just kind of want to, I always like to give a background of kind of the people that I'm interviewing. So maybe you can just tell my listeners a little bit about yourself, as little or as much as you want. Okay, so I'm Nathan Hawes, obviously, and I met Dante, was it third year? Uh, it would have been the beginning you, of You third stayed year. home second year. Yeah, so yeah. we met each other at the beginning of third year. Um, I'm an 01, fourth year. I'm in life science at Queens. I'm from a small town in Ontario, on southwestern Ontario. It's called Godrich. It's a little uh, vacation town, cottage country. There's not much to do there. I think the population's about 8,000 people. Um, my graduating class was about 150, which isn't bad, but it was also the only Catholic school in the area. So we were sharing kids from probably seven or eight different towns. Wow. And so, I mean, it's a very, uh, it's a very tight knit environment. I'm assuming by grade 12, you kind of know everybody. Did you, uh, did you like that kind of environment or do you sometimes kind of wish you'd grown up in a more city type of environment? You know what? Um, there's pros and cons to both. I find growing up in a small town was amazing. You kind of knew everybody, you were safe. Uh, there was a rush sort of thing and I find nowadays like there's a lot of comparison between people in cities it's like can I be like good at this can I be good at this but where for me like I wasn't I was good at sports but there was I could play on every sports team because I was one of the athletic kids whereas if you go to a school of 2,000 people like you have maybe one or two sports that you're good at and those are the only teams you can make Mm -hmm. so I found I got more of a real rounded sense of community and um, it was very it was very safe and like even as a kid like you just find things to do like nowadays I wouldn't want to go back because, especially in the winter, there's not much to do. But as a kid, you go outside, you mess around, you have friends in your neighborhood. There's no there's no traffic. Like, I grew up in a suburb outside the city, so it was maybe a 30, 40-minute walk into town. But um, just around my little area, we had uh, we had lots of space to run and play. So that was, that was nice. That's amazing. And I guess, so coming to Kingston wasn't really a huge shock for you it's kind of a I guess a similar kind of community now that we're at Queens right yeah so I'd consider Kingston a city but it's not a big city which is kind of nice it has that small town sort of feel like there's all those like local little spots you know where to go and like especially at Queens and with everybody in the student ghetto it's you know where everybody lives you know people and if you don't know people you know people who know those people so it's it's quite a nice small little environment yeah and uh so I guess kind of more to uh, like moving around and stuff. So you've been in Goddard's basically before Kings and that was where you were your whole life. What made you pick Queens in the first place? Um, I really, I played a lot of s- soccer. So I was in, I was in London, Ontario, like at least four times a week and through the summer and through the winter. So I got a good taste of London and like between the two schools, so Queens and Western, I would say probably the best student life and academic balance. Mm-hmm. Um, McMaster was also on my list, but Hamilton's a little bit more of a not really safe environment, I'd say. And and like for an undergrad, like across Canada, it's very, very like similar to, to whatever you do is there's not one school that stands out. Whereas if you go to the States, there's just so many that like the Ivy League schools really stand out. But in Canada, you could basically go to any school. So I thought, okay, what school has maybe the best party life as well as like academics that I want to focus on. And so that was Queens for me because I wanted to go and experience another city. And since I'd been in London so often, it was like, it, it didn't really stand out as a pretty city to me. And you're not by the water. They had the, the River Thames by, in London, but it's not big. And they, there's, there's no walkways along it. 
Um, so Kingston was a huge draw just because of the way the architecture of the city was. Um, it's older than London. It, uh, it's by the water and the student life is all there. Mm-hmm. And so far, how has Kingston uh, performed based off of what you kind of anticipated when you came here? You know, I would love to stay in Kingston. I think, I think it's performed almost better than expected. I've really enjoyed my time here and it's going to be sad to move away. Um, I'm kind of getting sick of the, the student party life all the time. Um, but I mean, it, once you get out of school, you're not really involved in that scene anymore. And Kingston has a lot to offer. Um, my mom actually grew up in Picton, Ontario, which is about 50 minutes away if you go west on Bath Road. And I would love to live there. Prince Edward County is wine country. There's arts, there's boating, there's, and Kingston's only under an hour drive away. Mm-hmm. And you're relatively close to Toronto because in Goddard, we were about two and a half hours from Toronto. And from Kingston, it's about the same. And it's it's definitely a doable journey. So um, if, if I'm kind of like looking at uh, Kingston party life or kind of the student party life, um, for our listeners who are maybe older or who haven't really like been to Queens or maybe even experienced university, can you kind of lay out like what might, what your kind of options are on a typical weekend and maybe why you feel like you're starting to get a little bit tired of that? Okay. So the reason I'm getting tired of it <clears throat> is not because it's not fun. It's just, it's sort of the same thing all the time. Um, and it's not really meaningful at this point. At one point when in first year, it was a lot of like, okay, I get to meet all these new people. I get to see where they're from. I get to learn about them. Maybe this will be a lasting friendship. Um, We didn't really have that in second year and a lot of those friendships were lost just because of COVID. But third and fourth year, it's been like, okay, I kind of go out with the same people. I know the same people. Maybe I'll have a funny conversation with someone in the bathroom, but those aren't like lasting connections. Um, But anyways, so it's it's a four day, or it can be a four day weekend. So Tuesday, you can do the ale house routine. So that's where uh, your host Dante works <laughs> in his spare time. So there's there's Tumble Tuesday, that's country music. That's sort of the spot to be. There's also Trinity, which has dollar beers. So there's a number of these different clubs that you go to and they have different events that make them stand out during the week. Um, and because of these different events, like it's really easy to go out very often. So Tuesday you have Trin, you have Ale House, Thursday, you have stages is the big one. And then Trinity also do does a mod night. And a mod night is music over the decades. So it's sort of throwback music. Um, and then stages on Thursday, they have 375 one ounce drinks. So like relatively cheap for this, well, for Canada anyways. Um, and then Friday night is you can, there's not really a club that stands out. Usually if there's an event going on, they'll do it on Friday night. Um, that's also a good night to stay in and maybe have a party with your friends at their house. But again, it's just another night of drinking. And then Saturday, they have dollar beers again at Trinity and stages is also a big night there and, and ale house as well. They don't really have the events. Dollar beers is sort of where it's at on Saturday. And then Sunday brass and on at brass, they have live music in the evenings. Scott Owen, I've been once, he's amazing. Um, but again, it's just another night of drinking and spending money and it. it becomes old and again, there's no meaningful connections Like I love going out with my housemates and my close friends and we get to go and we if we Sunday at brass We get to sing along and dance and I have a girlfriend right now and tumble Tuesday is fun because she's big into country music And it's nice to see her just enjoying herself. But again, it's just it's very repetitive and um, I mean, it's not meaningful anymore It's just going out and drinking yourself like to sleep by the yeah. end of the night and then that adds up a $60 bill because you're paying cover you're, I'm buying my girlfriend drinks maybe I'll buy my buddy a drink and I'll probably have three or four drinks myself it's it's not very economical yeah and so why do you feel like that shift has kind of happened do you feel like it's just the climate in general or do you feel like it's our age and our kind of where we're at in university now I think it's our age some people unfortunately never get out of this sort of funk where it's just they need alcohol to have fun. Um, whereas like if I could, maybe you can at night, but if I could, I would love to be out biking a mountain bike trail or maybe doing some sort of water sports. I'm big into kite surfing and surfing and wakeboarding. And to me, like events like that are way more meaningful. And sometimes they don't cost as much money either. If you have access to the equipment, 
Um, and like that would be way more meaningful to me than, I mean, partying and, and doing degenerate stuff all evening while yeah. spending money on drinks that, I mean, it's $10 drink and it's gone in about four minutes. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's probably I've grown out of it. Um, I think a lot of people can agree with me. Uh, but like we've had our fun and it, I mean it's definitely an experience you have and that experience is good to have in university because you can't be 35 and going out after a week of work on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, potentially Sunday and Tuesday. That's just too much. So there's there's a time and a place for it and that is now and now that we're moving away from that, that's maybe why you don't see a lot of these college students afterwards in their post-grad and in their careers going out drinking all the time. Yeah. Because I, I remember I was reading, uh, I was reading like a Reddit post and it was kind of talking about like what the progression of drinking is usually for like most people after university and they kind of just, they said what they noticed was that like as they graduated it was like less and less people were single, less and less people, you know, didn't have kids, less and less people didn't have like a consistent nine to five job and it was just like as these kind of like responsibilities of life come on, as you said, it's like you can't be plastered on a Tuesday night, you can't wake up hungover at noon. And like even me and Nathan were talking about this today because what what the day consisted of was like wake up at 10, go to the gym, uh, go play squash, go eat a poutine and then record the podcast. And we were just kind of talking about how like that's not something that really happens when you're like a 40 year old. Like the, I feel like the average 40 year old tends to have a nine to five or they tend to have other things going on. And uh, Nathan brought up a really good point of just kind of like like, why can't I just do this for the rest of my life? Like, why can't I just have, like, why can't I have fun for the rest of my life, basically? And that's, like, an answer that I've always, or a question that I've kind of always struggled with, um, especially, you know, when I'm, like, up at my cottage or when I'm rapping, and I just really think, and I'm like, I do not want to tie myself down into some deadbeat job where I go to work and I'm, like, living for 6 o'clock. Like, why can't all day be fun? Why can't all day, every day be fun, really, right? And, uh... I don't know. I think Nathan is there. Uh, is there anything you'd like to add to that? To add to that, maybe like some some thoughts as to how that's maybe possible, or why you think that might not be possible. Just anything, really. Yeah, unfortunately, that would be amazing, right? And maybe when you're retired, that's what we can do. If you keep your body healthy enough, you can go out, go to the gym, play squash. Um, but unfortunately, like that's not sustainable. And the reason that's not sustainable is because everybody would want that. And unfortunately, society would likely collapse <laughs> because then you won't have people maintaining the gym. You won't have people making those squash rackets or the squash balls. And you won't have people working at Bubba's making poutine because everybody wants that lifestyle. Shut up, Bubba's. It's the best poutine in Kingston. Yeah, hands down. <laughs> and not the Bubba's on uh, Princess. Nah, they stole. they actually stole the logo just so you know and they're way too expensive you have to be blackout to go there because it's $18 for a disgusting poutine so you, go to the Bubba's downtown even when you're blackout it's it's not very good no um, can't say I've been there when I've been blackout but I just I've had bad poutines when you've been drinking and they're yeah they're bad poutines once you have a quality poutine like Bubba's downtown it's 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 worth it yeah disclaimer to Nathan and my parents we actually don't drink we've never been blackout in our lives just so you guys know no, yeah, our, our, <laughs> the parties I'm talking about never been. To yeah, one. it's just, just it's just from it. third person yeah. third person experience. <laughs> we're both nine. Well, we're both 21, so yeah. I guess we can get away with it. Yeah, but anyways, yeah, like uh, hopefully the, the goal would be is maybe be a productive member of society, make enough money, think of something that no one else has thought of, and then just have a patent and get paid and, I mean, enjoy yourself. Yeah. That, that's the way that the gym can be maintained while you luck out and bring in a couple hundred thousand dollars a year by doing nothing. That would yeah. be all right. <laughs> and uh, so kind of like work history wise, like I know um, I was talking to Thomas about this on my last episode. Um, what like when did you start working and what was kind of like your job history since you started working? So I didn't really start working until I was about 14. But even then, so growing up, my parents were always like, if you're a good kid, we'll buy you what you want. Like that's your, and your job is to be good. And like, we're going to reward you for being good. And, but more importantly, my job was to get good grades. So I was going to go to school. I was going to study after school and I was going to have fun on weekends. And they said, you know what? Like you're going to work for the rest of your life. So enjoy your childhood. Like, don't, don't even think about a job until I, your grade 10, grade 11, maybe. And that's sort of what happened. So my dad is a business owner. He's a, he's a tool maker. 
He runs his business with two other guys and they make rubber and silicone molds for a number of different companies. And he, so in his shop, he offered me an, a couple jobs. They were just basically weekends or whenever something needed to be done. Um, so I first started out cleaning. So I would clean all the walls, clean the <laughs> machines, clean the windows. Um, I clean the floors, sweep, do all that fun stuff. Um, he had a full-time janitor, but it was basically just to give me a little bit of money to mess around with. And then around that time, or maybe even earlier, I started uh, cutting grass. So we just had family friends that were like, hey, well, I've got a lawnmower if you want to stop in once a week, maybe once every two weeks, depending on weather. You can, uh, you can cut our grass and maybe do some pool care for us and we'll pay you. So that was great because I could pick my own hours. It took maybe two, three hours a week out of my day. Um, and then later on, dad started employing me on the press. So that's basically, so what they do at the shop is they, they make a mold. So they have these giant aluminum blocks, I believe. And then they have CNC machines and the CNC machines cut out this mold. And then on this press, you would lay the plate in and then the press would shut, so it, was, it would clamp together. There was a top and a bottom half, and then it would inject this uh, high temperature rubber mold, and then that would uh, cool off inside the plate, and then it would open up, and then it was my job to reach in with gloves on, take out the piece, um, and then typically it was compressed air, and you'd put the compressed air on one of the ends of the piece, and it would blow, like it would expand, and you were able to remove it from the, uh, from the mold on the inside. So that's what I started doing, and I was working um, I would work a couple hours, a couple times a week, depending on how much production they had. Um, they had someone running all day, but I would go in for like three or four hours on the nights. And then in the summer, I was able to do that quite a bit. So I was working probably four days a week for about eight hours um, when they were busy. Um, and then up until probably grade 12, grade 12, I was still doing long hair. And then after first year, um, my buddy and I, uh, we we started a lawn care business. So this was during COVID. So he had worked lawn care. He had also worked as an ice cream scooper, but he was like, <laughs> you know, I enjoy lawn care a lot more. So we, we put a business together. We put a, we made a business account. We, uh, we marketed, we met clients. We got a grant from the government, a small business grant. Um, and then we did that for a year during COVID, which was great because nobody was employing during COVID. And unfortunately, because I didn't have a job the previous year, I wasn't able to get the, the COVID benefits, um, which was fine because that obviously didn't turn out very well for a lot of people. Um, so we did that. And then second year, I, I worked as a respite care provider, and I also worked as a teacher for a little bit. And then in between, I was I was refereeing soccer. So I've played soccer my whole life, and I, I quite enjoy the game. So I was always out on the weekends and during the week uh, refereeing kids. Um, I was still doing a little bit of lawn care at this time. And then third year in the summer, I had quite a few jobs. I worked as a teacher, and um, they were really short on people this year. So I was employed every single day between two schools in my area. It was elementary teaching, so anywhere from kindergarten to grade eight, and I taught English. I even taught French, but I don't know how to speak French. I basically <laughs> gave them worksheets, and they did the worksheets. Um, and then I, I worked in a pharmacy. Actually, I did that in third year as well, I, or in second year. I worked in a pharmacy. Um, I was just dispensing drugs. I was also doing some data entry, so we'd get a fax from a doctor, and I would put that in under the patient's name and the medication and the... Um, the frequency during the week and the dosage um, and then I was I was uh, putting people on the government website for COVID vaccines so if you came in I wasn't administering the vaccine but I was registering them with the government to say that hey you've gotten your first second or third shot um, and what else and then I did respite as well this year and I expanded to a couple more families and it was it was a busy summer to say the least but uh, I, I don't want to work that much when I'm older yeah. in the summer. It's okay. Cause the student life is pretty relaxed. Like we said, it was, we, we woke up squash gym. Um, but preferably I wouldn't be like, I wouldn't want to work the four jobs that I was working. That was probably, I was clocking in over 50 or 60 hours a week, likely. And there wasn't a lot of time to myself. I definitely made sure I could take some time off, um, and go on a holiday and see my girlfriend. But that was, uh, it was quite busy. Mm -hmm.
Yeah, I can imagine. Um, and did any of these jobs particularly interest you for the future? Like, I know that um, me and you have talked about, like, pharmaceuticals and also teaching and stuff. Um, but for our listeners, where do you kind of potentially see yourself in 10, 15 years? Um, right now, this, I mean, the plan can always change. But right now, I'd like to see myself um, as a registered pharmacist. So I'd have my PhD in, in pharmaceuticals. Um, and, uh, essentially I would like to potentially own my own, um, dispensary, I guess it's not dispensary, my drugstore and, uh, or find myself in the business world. So I've always, I've always thought maybe my backup plan or my second option for school would be business. Um, so potentially owning my own business or working in the pharmaceutical industry, as a maybe sales representative or do something on the business side of things. Um, I would also like to spend my first few years as a registered pharmacist in a hospital because I do enjoy people and I enjoy healthcare and I'm in a, I'm a life science major. So this, this is what I've studied and I really like like learning how the body works and how different things affect the body um, and all the knowledge behind that. So potentially working in a hospital, owning my own pharmacy or in the business is where I'd like to see myself eventually. And uh, if, let's say you had like unlimited money, would there be a different answer? Um, no, I think uh, unlimited knowledge, I would always see myself as a doctor because I think, I think that is, like you're a hero. If you have to pick one job where you're a hero almost every single day, that would be a doctor, whether it's a surgeon, even a pediatrician. Sometimes you, you stand out, you're a hero, you're saving lives left, right, and center. I've grown up with a lot of doctors in my life and I look up to all of them and they're all very interesting people, smart, kind. They have different like hobbies and, uh, and goals and, and likes and dislikes. Um, and a lot of them are similar in, in value to mine. Um, so I think unlimited knowledge would be a doctor, but if I had unlimited money I think it'd be cool just to relax and maybe teach someone surfing or biking or being a trail guide um, for mountain biking or hiking I think that would be amazing mm-hmm. um, just because I, I find that stuff very meaningful and if I can put someone in a situation where it's meaningful for them um, and I mean they, they'll always remember that situation where they were in the the Himalayas like biking or hiking you know that would be that would be amazing so do you uh you seem to you seem like you have a very strong connection with the outdoors with nature with being active um is that something that's always been really important for your family or for you yeah it's definitely been important for my family and and as well for me like I remember being a kid and we had a pond on our property we were lucky enough to have about five acres and we always had animals around but I would go down there and I would catch frogs and snails and salamanders and turtles, all this fun stuff. So that was always very interesting to me. Just, I don't know, I guess a lot of kids are into that. Not not nowadays, which is sort of upsetting. And I saw that as a teacher. Um, but anyways, yeah, it was, it was always a big part of my life. And I had limited time inside and on screens. So my parents were like, and especially because I grew up in the suburbs with like, it, it's, it's not really a suburb. It was like, they had a... Uh, what they call them, just, like, small, like, it was a, Salford was probably 500 people, so it was really small, and it was in the country, just outside of Goderich, and we were always outside, it was always me and my friends, we were in the bush, building forts, when we got a little bit older, it was paintballing, but it was always just surrounding ourselves with nature, Mm -hmm. and I, like, I wasn't allowed to play video games for more than an hour on Saturday and Sunday, so it was, that, that was what I had to do to, I mean, have fun. Yeah, of course. And I can definitely relate to that as well. When I was younger, it was like on a Saturday, you got an hour of game time and we do it like at nine in the morning. We were just itching to play it because we never got to. And then the second that was done, it was you're kicked outside basically till lunchtime, till dinner time, whatever. You have to go find the kids in the alleyway to play hockey with, to play soccer with. You have to go, I don't know, use your imagination. There's There was way less stimulation when there was. And I kind of talk about this in one of my other episodes. If you want to go look at it, it's uh, called The Death of the Attention Span. It's just kind of about how phones and social media and that have kind of um, changed our generation for the worse. Um, but Nathan, you mentioned something earlier about how when you were teaching, you kind of noticed this shift. Can you kind of elaborate more on just what you've noticed with uh, these younger generations and how they've kind of changed from us and even our parents as well? Mm-hmm. 
So unfortunately, everything nowadays is technology based. That's including growing up in, in schools. Like all these kids have Chromebooks. So it's really hard to escape technology. And um, as a science major, you, you follow what your brain likes. And as a kid, you're very susceptible to different um, influences and it's things that excite you. Like I said, like a lot of kids, they, they find things very, very simple things intriguing, but give them a device with Fortnite on it or Minecraft where you don't have to use that imagination. It's almost ingrained in it for you. Um, they become hooked and then the dopamine is off the charts and I mean as adults we sometimes find uh, different things give us different amounts of dopamine so drinking and going out with your friends is is a lot of fun and you, you do that but there's there's a limit to it whereas nowadays kids just always have technology in their hands and that technology is is basically a drug for them and it's easy because I remember when I was a kid when I when I had my hour of, of game time I would always love to sneak a little bit extra. I'd lie to my parents and be like, oh, I go on at, at 8 instead of 7.30. Yeah. Um, or I'd steal my brother's time sometimes. But that's, <laughs> that's, that's just older brother things. <laughs> exactly. They, they have to submit to you. Um, but essentially, is you could play that all day. Like, the way kids like used to play with like like road hockey or, or something like that, it, you, could, you could go all day, and it's, it's way easier with technology. And for um, and I would become moody afterwards. So after I got off, I was like, oh, I don't want to do this. I'd rather just play video games, you know. Then eventually, I'd get out of that funk and go outside because I had no other choice. <laughs> um, but it's it's very that that's hard for parents to say no to nowadays. Um, I think it's really hard to be strict with with your children, and it's also really easy. Like if if I was when I was at the pharmacy, if if there was people getting uh, vaccines or waiting on their medication, and they brought their children in. It was like the children were messing around. Okay, here's your iPad. And they stop right away. And right? they stop, and they were hooked, and and then that's it. And then the the parents can sit there, and then and even if they don't give the kids the iPad, the parents are on their phone. So what is that teaching the kids? They see the, they look up to their parents. They see their parents on their phone. They're texting. Yeah, sure, that's a fo form of like socializing if you want to justify it for the parents but it's also that dopamine rush again and the kids don't care the kids see that and they're like oh they're just playing on their phone yeah it's sort of the same idea so you can't tell your kids no and then do the exact opposite thing no so growing up my parents were like okay you got to wear a helmet on your bike and they would wear their helmet just to prove like this is what you got to do so and and the way it's just easy for kids to sit on there and the parents can do what they want because parents like a lot of people have very busy lives nowadays like I was talking I had like four jobs in the summer unfortunately a lot of parents nowadays have two jobs or they've got a bunch of kids or their marriage isn't going very well so it's like they have to give their kids that they have to get a bit of a break from their children mm -hmm. and unfortunately that's technology but that just destroys their imagination and their ability to find time to do with like or figure things out and find time for themselves and ba basically make up fun games like you just you lose that ability when you are able to just stimulate yourself the whole time and so when you were teaching what did you find was the the actual direct impacts that you witnessed in your classes from these kids being so ingrained into technology um, maybe I can't blame it on technology, but the kids didn't listen. Like growing up, I was always like, okay, you respect your teacher. And like, for the most part, like if there was a supply teacher, and I was a supply teacher and I was a young supply teacher, a male too. So it was really easy to get away with, uh, with messing with me. And like, I, I mean, I couldn't really yell at the kids. I'm like, whatever, like, I'm just here for the day. Like, I'll see you later. And then because it was between the two schools, I became more of a familiar face. They ended up starting to listen. But there was a few classes that they just didn't listen and they just didn't like regard authority. And even if it was with other te other teachers, they they weren't listening. Um, and maybe that's because it, they play their video games. Their parents tell them to get off, and then their parents get sidetracked, and then they still stay on. And it's like, oh well, if I just don't listen, maybe I can get away with it. Mm -hmm. uh, and also, it was every chance they could get to use technology, they would. Um, and unfortunately, like for the, for some of the time, if the kid would finish their work, they would start messing about, they'd start teasing their friend, they'd start getting up, annoying other students. And it was really easy for me to be like, okay, once you finish your work, you can have free time, which meant go on the computer and play whatever games you wanted. And I tried to make them educational games, but it's the same thing. It's just no more imagination. Just stare at this screen for the next 20 minutes and not really learn anything, but have 
fun and be quiet, I guess. Yeah. Uh, so unfortunately, that's that's the other thing is every chance they got to finish something and do it subpar just so they could have some t- free time. And I even see that nowadays. People don't finish their schoolwork or they do a really bad job on it so they can watch Netflix earlier. Yeah. So um, I guess for yourself, do you find yourself ever struggling with this same thing with technology? Um, no, maybe that's how I was raised and because I had to figure, and I, I recognize these things. I think one of the biggest things is you need to recognize um, the, the problems of technology and also the, the power it holds over you. Uh, and also I, I sometimes get bored. I find myself like if I'm, I, I really don't do anything other than scroll on Instagram, like I'll text and I have a, I have an Apple watch. That's really easy. So I can reply to text on my Apple watch without actually opening up my phone. So I have that form of communication, but if it's just pointless scrolling, whether it's TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, Reels, Twitter, all that stuff, eventually it, I find it becomes boring because it's a lot of the same thing. Um, I definitely do it, but I, I recognize that like, hey, like I've been on here for 10 minutes. Maybe it's time to do something else. Um, and I don't play many video games anymore. And if I do, it's with my friends or if I just have absolutely have nothing to do. But I find it's always you can do something better with your time, something that'll pay off in the long run. Like some of these games, like Minecraft, let's say I, I spent a lot of time on Minecraft. I thought that was kind of a cool game growing up as a kid because I was always doing the outside sort of building stuff, um, exploring. So this was sort of a way to do it virtually. Um, but like, I mean, my skills on Minecraft hasn't, haven't really translated over to anything I'm doing nowadays. Whereas like if you're playing video games or I'm scrolling on my phone pointlessly, it's like, you know what? I can pull out my gu- acoustic guitar and play for a half hour and that's going to serve me better. If I play with someone in front of a campfire, I have that extra half hour under my belt that I'm going to maybe play the song a little bit better. Or I can read, you know what? Really use your imagination, train your brain. And I mean, I enjoy books. So that's something that's more enjoyable to me and it doesn't make me feel like that after. Whereas if you stare at a screen for that long, you can feel mad and oh, I just wasted my time. Yeah. Right? Yeah, of course. So um, I'm going to shift gears a little bit here just to kind of look more at your hobbies and and that kind of thing. So uh, I know you're super big into guitar um, and me, Nate, and one of our other friends, Owen, have actually had uh, the chance to jam together a couple times. And Nathan's a super talented guitarist. He doesn't give himself enough credit for that, Um, but he's great. And he also has good music taste. So um, what would you say your like maybe top three albums are? Because I know you're, you're super into classic rock. Maybe just tell the people what uh, your favorite genres are and where that kind of what you're inspired from uh, like w- whether it was your parents or something else and then maybe your top three albums if you can think of them okay um, growing up so I was forced to play an instrument growing up and I started playing the violin and I was really bad and I hated it <laughs> um, I never practiced but they're like hey you have to stick with an instrument and then when I got a little bit older I think it was probably grade five or six Um, maybe even four, my parents were like, okay, you can quit violin, but you have to do something else, whether it's drums, guitar, singing, piano, you have to choose something else. And so I chose guitar, obviously, because that's like, I guess, maybe the cooler option. And um, I I knew a couple of guys that had played guitar and I, and my, my dad was always big into classic rock and alternative rock. So he was nineties, eighties, seventies, sixties, all that, all that good stuff. So I, uh, I was like, okay, guitar. And then my brother played as well. Um, and I've stuck with it until grade 12. So I've been playing for, I don't know, 10, 11 years. I hated it at the start because it felt like a chore. Um, and I wasn't very good. And like, it was, it was tough back then to be like, okay, I'm not very good at this and I have time to kill. So let me go play video games, which I'm good at, um, when I was allowed to, but I should have played, I should have played a lot more when I was younger, but, um, around grade nine, I started to pick it up and I, I was, I was playing in my free time. And, uh, yeah, music is about the only art form I'm good at. Um, so, and I think art is a very interesting, uh, concept. So the, if I can create art in my life, it fulfills my life and it, I mean, I can share it with other people. And if, if I'm half decent, they, they and like it. And even if I'm not, they still smile and say, good job. <laughs> so, uh, for, for albums, um, I really hate picking favorites because it changes and you know when you have that favorite song you're like man this is the best song ever and you listen to it a thousand times and it's like oh god I'm and now so you sick hate it, of this right? song yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I don't really pick favorites for that exact reason and I also think there's stuff that I haven't discovered yet that may be my favorite um, but I'm I'm very like hardcore classic rock guy just because it has a lot of creativity and there's um, aspects of 
um, like let's maybe reggae, blues, jazz, um, like psychedelic rock, like all like classic rock was great because you could have a lot of different variations in songs, which I think we're ve- we're lacking nowadays in pop music and rap music. Um, but I, I I'd say band wise. Um, Zeppelin's great, Rush is great, Pink Floyd, those are maybe my top three. The Beatles are also really good. Um, but right now, album-wise, I'd say Revolver, this isn't in order, Revolver by the Beatles, um, maybe Animals by Pink Floyd or Wish You Were Here. Those are two great albums, great guitar, great lyrics, and they're holistic albums, they bring, well, not necessarily holistic, but they ha- they have characters in them, and and they play throughout. There, there's not just a contemplation of songs. It's actually there's a reason and a story behind each song, and it, it plays off of each other in the album, which I think is awesome for Pink Floyd. And um, let's see, I probably Hemispheres or a Farewell to Kings by Rush. Was that the one that you showed me that was uh, it was a story of like a futuristic city? Oh no, that's that's twenty one twelve. Oh, oh, see, but that's yeah. that's good too. A farewell to kings is closer to the heart, and I think uh, I think free wills on that album. But anyways, maybe twenty twenty one twelve would be better. It's a little bit more rock and roll. But the essentially what Dante's talking about is that first side of the album. It starts out with uh, basically um, a futuristic society that has destroyed art and music and this guy finds this guitar and he starts playing it and he presents it they they call him the priest and he brings it to the priest and he's like look at this amazing instrument i found like it could save society like it could give us so much creativity and like make life so much better and we can use it to help the people and these priests Uh, come in and they say no this is from like past societies and the reason the society failed was because of art and instruments and music and creativity get rid of that thing as fast as possible and uh essentially this this guy who finds the guitar is like no this isn't right and then he i think he brings the people together and they almost overthrow the priests and they bring music and art back into society and uh that's serves them very well um, and then the second side of the album is about, I think it's, it, it basically follows our life here on earth and sort of the different things we do to, uh, that may or may not be good to us. So the first song on the second side is a passage to Bangkok and that is about all the different drugs and them going on tour and just doing all these drugs and taking these stops. So it's, it's looking at a futuristic society and then also our society here, whereas we do have art, but it. I guess doing drugs isn't art, but the things that come along with um, being famous and, and being experimental, let's say, uh, are good and bad. So there's there needs to be a bit of a balance. Mm-hmm. That's really cool. And uh, I totally have to agree with you with music. Like anything that tells a story that kind of has um, more depth to it is always just way more enjoyable to listen to. I mean, I, I'm sure that I could do a whole episode on why music today just isn't the same as it was. Um, Art in general just feels kind of more like it's being made just for the sake of it than for the actual reason of what making art is. Um, so yeah, uh, that's kind of the art side of it. I know that you're also huge into working out. Um, was that kind of something that just came with sports? Was that something that your parents also kind of got you into? Like I know um, I've been working out basically since grade seven and it was because my dad like introduced me to like the gym at his hospital and he just took me once a week and kind of like showed me and was just like slowly easing into it and then it was almost just like it became like brushing my teeth um was it sort of the same thing for you or was it something that you just sort of developed along with sports um a little bit of both so being really big into sports and always going outside it was like okay like i need to move this uh board or i need to run five kilometers so if I can keep my body fit and I do this more often, I'm better at it. So we're playing hide and go seek, I could outrun people. Or if we were building a fort in the forest, I could carry two logs instead of one. Um, and then with sports, if we're playing road hockey, I have a better slab shot. So there was always that like aspect there in my life where I could improve myself and uh, not necessarily improve over others, but improve myself and, and uh, become better at the things I'm doing. Um, but my, my mother is a physiotherapist, so she was always big into movement. So I grew up with my parents working out 
and doing a lot of outdoorsy things and that requires fitness and, and strength so uh, my dad was also a bodybuilder not not like a professional one but he he enjoyed lifting in his uh late teens and early 20s um all the way up until his 30s where he he switched over to marathon running so i've seen my dad run more than a dozen marathons he's done boston five times so he sort of switched out of maybe a working out sense to uh to running which is completely different but also it's just about keeping your body healthy and, and improving yourself that little bit um, and my mom has always been like, if you don't move, you're going to get injured. So with physio, if you don't know this, the, a lot of the, uh, the, the ways they treat you is through exercises. So if you need to strengthen a, a muscle or a, a supporting muscles or tendons or anything like that, the way you do that is she'll give you exercises and then you do, do these exercises and eventually you build up enough strength where you're, you're essentially healed and the risk of injury is a lot lower and you get yourself back to where you were before the injury. Um, that also works with the mind too. She always wanted to specialize in concussions and where you, you can work your mind by movements and, and what to do and what not to do with concussions. So it's interesting how the body um, relates to exercise. But I remember um, when I got a little bit older and I hit puberty, it was like very much like, oh man, how do I look? Like, how do people perceive me? Like, I was, I was lucky enough to have the genetics and to be like active enough as a kid to have, uh, like, have like a decent look to me. Like I was, I was taller. Um, and then like me and like, I was always surrounded by like farm boys. So there was, there was some pretty big kids growing up beside me. And I was always like sort of compared to them or beside, like, uh, very similar to them. And it was always sort of a competition when we started to get a little bit older in the change rooms. Um, and then I didn't really get into working out until about grade six, I think. And I, over the summer and I would eat a lot and I would feel ill and my dad's like, oh, do like a hundred pushups or whatever and you'll feel better. And so I started doing that. Then that became about a hundred pushups a day. Then I started getting into setups. Um, and then, uh, we had a few, we had like an old Bowflex with these rubber arms that were elastic. So you could, uh, you could basically choose your weight and then you could do rows or like lat pull downs. We had a few dumbbells. So I started out in my garage lifting those. My dad sort of gave me some pointers and my brother did a little bit, but he was pretty young at the time. Um, and then in grade seven, I met uh, David Fincher, who was really big into working out and he was a really good hockey player. So he always supplemented his hockey with dry land training um, and that involved a lot of working out. So we, we ended up going to the gym together, then we would go around, and we'd, so in our gym, the, all the cable machines were back to back and like the machines that we used for like leg press whatever so we would we would go around the circle of machines and we do them like once or twice so it was like full body supported workouts um and then in grade eight i got a little bit more into it i started doing free weights and i had my ymca membership and i, I saw people there and i learned from them and i asked my mom and my dad who both would work out my mom would do a lot of home workouts um so i learned from her and then uh, grade nine is when I really got into it. I met my uh, best friend through high school and even still to this day I'd consider him one of my best friends, Callum, and his dad was also very big into working out and he was a teacher at, at St. Anne's, the school I went to, and we had a gym in the in the building that they let us use. Um, and we also had our YMCA memberships and we, we were given some pointers. He was a track and field coach, so he, uh, he was also my soccer coach growing up. Um, in, in elementary school, but he gave us some more pointers and then um, by then we had our phones and everything so we, we figured it out. Um, and then by grade 10, I had a home gym set up at home. So we had uh, adjustable weights and cable machines and everything you could think of. It was pretty awesome. I still use it to this day. Um, and then, I mean, it's been then, it's just, it became routine and it became about keeping myself fit. And nowadays I do intramural sports at Queens but uh, really the only uh, exercise and like competition I have is at the gym with myself and it's always fun to go with your friends and like lift together. So it's, it's become a part of daily life and a routine and it makes me feel good. The end of the day is I do it for the endorphins. Like it's, it's become a part of my, my character as well and, and just how I see myself and like how, how my day goes and how I feel and it's a good escape from school. So there's a lot of pros and not a lot of cons. Um, but yeah, basically it started out with my mom and my dad and then always just trying to improve myself that little bit every day. That's amazing. So, um, I guess, would you say that you, you kind of like, do you take a lot from your parents? Um, do you feel like you're, 
similar personality and just kind of in general wise to your parents or is there one that you kind of gravitate more towards personality wise or are you pretty different from them now um I, t- I do take a lot from my parents I think you do whether you, you consciously realize it or not because who do you spend the most time with and like who did you look up to as a kid um, unless it was a grandparent or something but there's also that uh, generational divide between grandparents and parents and then you um, but yeah definitely between the two like I, I try and take pros and cons from both my mom and my dad uh, my dad, my mom's a little bit more of a people person, so with physio, she's always talking to clients, and like she'll they'll have a half hour to an hour session, and I mean most of that she's talking to them, and like a lot of the, that's what people like is especially in a small town with an older population, they just want to go and speak to somebody about what they've been doing the last week or politics or whatever. Um, so my mom's very much a people person, and she's also more into the health side of things, which is where I see myself in the future. Um, but my dad is my dad he focuses a lot on his career and he's also done some amazing things and he's very technologically savvy and uh, in a technological society nowadays I would I would look up to him and the way he's implemented technology into his business is, is quite fascinating. Um, he's also a very good people person and he's liked by everybody. My mom is as well, but my mom's more outgoing where my dad is very like calm when you first meet him. So it's, it's really easy to like him and trust him where, um, my mom is great when you speak to her about things, but she also holds pretty strong opinions on, on certain things when you're talking to her in private. Um, so I I take pros and cons from both and like, I don't gravitate towards one or the other. My mom's strived in her, in her schooling where my dad is really focused on his business. Um, so I, I think that's both good and bad for both of them. Like my mom has like a more well-rounded idea of the world, I'd say. And dad is, is very good at what he does. And that's, um, I mean, done wonders for him in his career. And, uh, I guess maybe switching gears a little bit, um, but still more kind of like about yourself and your personality. What would you say is kind of like the thing that you've struggled with the most throughout your life? Um, maybe focusing on long-term goals. I know that sounds sort of stupid because I've been into exercise and and fitness, but, um, long-term goals, like seeing, like, I don't know, at the end of, at the end of fourth year or coming into the end of fourth year, it's like, had I, had I worked a little bit harder, I may not, I may have been at a better position to figure out a career path, uh, by now. Um, but I don't know. It's, uh, it's hard to it's hard to find your flaws really but I wish I could yeah I wish I could go back and, and maybe focus a little bit harder and figure out like what worked for me and what didn't I figure that out now but even nowadays it's like if it's not if I don't find it very interesting I don't put a lot of effort into it um, and with a, a grades or GPA that's that's been a problem because if it's I'm not a huge math or physics guy but those are those are sitting on my transcript right now with a C which isn't super exciting for any sort of um, post-grad applications and it brings down the overall GPA whereas for biology chemistry those are all A's but that that I mean it brings down the whole average so I wish I could go back and maybe put a little bit more effort into it because it does pay off like I do I mean I wish I was better at math nowadays and and physics is super interesting and that's how the whole world works but when I was using formulas and doing silly theoretical physics problems I was like this is dumb I'm not going to focus on this and then comes around to bite me in the butt um, but otherwise I've, I've always really like strived in my career and I always try and better myself so there's a, there's not a lot that I've struggled with but focusing on on long-term goals with short-term pain is definitely been a problem in uh, in university and even in high school mm-hmm. and uh, just one last question before uh, before I let you go uh, if you were talking to grade nine, you kind of like thinking about the struggle, the struggle that you face as well. Uh, what would you tell yourself, or what kind of conversation do you think you'd have? Um, I definitely say think before you act. I figured that out now, but in high school, it was like you need to you need to figure out the complications of what you're gonna do, if in case you do it. So really think before you act, think before you talk, think before you go out and ask someone on a date. Even like, is it is it worth it? Um, and also just like keep it up like keep your head up high and and there's always going to be another opportunity but you need to go out and find those opportunities like if there's an opportunity that comes to you reach out grasp it 
and like take advantage of it. Um, I'd also say maybe get involved, do some student cabinet because I mean, it's always nice. I would never burn a bridge and I wouldn't do that in grade nine, but it's also nice to build some bridges and building bridges is a lot harder than burning bridges. Um, so, so really getting involved in, in the community and getting involved with your peers, um, whether you really look up to them or not, it doesn't matter. Um, it's always nice to know more people and have more people in your corner if you ever need it. But definitely think before you act and I mean just just keep it up like always always keep looking forward keep looking towards the future and I mean live in the present but look towards the future so every present action is going to determine what you're going to do in the future so that again just thinking before you do anything and just and double thinking and thinking three times it, it, it always serves best because um, I found like thinking is just taking different perspectives on things. So thinking about, um, I don't know, a building, look at it from your perspective, from someone else's perspective, if it's a hospital, the architect's perspective, the, um, the patient's perspective, the doctor's perspective, that's how you think about things. So look at it from others' perspectives and if you're going to do something dumb, look at it to, from the perspective of someone else and, mm -hmm. and really think about it. So that's what I would tell myself. Yeah. So honestly, people, you heard it from the mouth of the... Uh, the you heard it from the source. Um, that's it for this week. Nathan, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been a pleasure to have you. Um, if you see Nathan around campus, for my listeners from Queens, be sure to say hi to him. He's a dope guy. Uh, he's definitely got a lot of thoughts that he's always eager to share. So, uh, yeah, Nate, thank you so much. Hey, man. Yeah, thanks. This was awesome. I was a little nervous before this, but this has turned out to be great. And one little pointer I wanted to add is this is the ninth episode, correct? Yes. Yeah, so nine is actually my favorite number. So I played no position nine in soccer. So I was up front as a striker. And also I was born on the 9th of May. So. And weirdly, I was also born on the 9th yeah, of May. Yeah, this is also a weird thing. But. Damn, that's really... Anyways, yeah, that's, that's really interesting. So this is a triple nine episode. So uh, yeah, that's it for this week. This was Young Life Politics and Hip Hop. Uh, don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Dante.Kaloya. And seriously, to each and every one of you who are listening to this, I appreciate you. This is what I do. This is my passion, creating things. And uh, each and every one of you is helping me make that happen one listen at a time. So honestly, whether it's day or night, wherever you are, I hope you have a great one. And uh, I'll see you guys on the next episode.